0: Evil is an inaction, a refusal to pay the cost of one's actions. Evil persons do not take responsibility for what they do because of how they think. Actions have consequences because choices always require the use of assets. Not paying costs does not make these costs disappear. When costs are not paid for by the person creating them, They are externalized onto society and future generations. Virtuous persons are accountable to others for the costs they create. Accountability comes in two flavors. Negative accountability consists in not externalizing costs onto others and not paying costs created by others. Positive accountability consists in ensuring all those who create value are paid for the value they create. Evil does not only avoid paying the cost created by them, they also avoid paying value to those who create the value. Evil persons take advantage of the goodness of others to exploit them and take value created by them. For example, they capitalize on the labor of other people. Ethical persons are accountable for the cost they create, by definition. Moral persons make sure they can and will be held to account for the cost they create. Christians do not want freebies. We must expose ourselves to the evaluations of others to be held to account. Accountability is not something we can do by or for ourselves. We need a market. We need the dispassionate opinion of other people concerning the value we have created, the value of our contribution. Choices are a process in which people determine the relative value of a set of options, that is, goods and services, available in a market setting. We choose from what is available what we value more for the cost. The choice we make in economic terms gives us the best return on investment. We choose to gain what we value most for what we value less. Evil cannot do this, as odd as this may seem because their predilection is to solve things by use of force. To permit betas or omegas to impose costs onto your goods and services when you consider yourself an alpha is a difficult proposition. Indeed, to be dominated or even challenged by a beta is, in the eyes of an alpha, a sign one is a beta. This alpha issue is as much a moral problem as an intellectual or economic one. Alphas have a problem with conspicuous consumption because they do not accept moral constraints on their consumption. Alphas have problems with delayed gratification because they do not think a lack of funds ought to constrain their right of possession. Alphas tend towards ostentatiousness because they glorify power and the most visible sign of power is the trappings of power. Alphas focus on acquiring expensive toys and gadgets and the latest styles and fashions because in this system of things money represents power. This poses a problem for alphas. The values of alphas and their lifestyle favour a get-rich-quick attitude. Alphas have no problem with gambling in the stock market or in casinos. Alphas by definition are inherently predisposed to engage in criminal behaviour. The degree to which alphas will flout convention varies, but will embrace illegal activity to some degree. The criminal and the criminal lifestyle is glorified by alphas and their hangers-on. Steady jobs provide neither the returns nor the prestige alphas need. A market is a place where specialists trade the value they created for goods and services created by others. Markets are not the preferred meeting place of alphas the mind of an alpha is geared towards working around market mechanisms. Alpha see markets as an infringement on their freedoms. The law is like a prison or even a set of barriers that can and ought to be overcome. If a newspaper can be printed and sold for three dollars, when the cost of production is two dollars, there is a one dollar profit. If one dollar of those production costs can be defrayed indefinitely, profits can and are doubled. The evil that takes place in business is not as clear as it ought to be because the thinking that legitimizes profits tends to hide the illegitimacy of what is done to increase profits over and above what is conventionally acceptable. It is taken for granted that investing in a business warrants the owner withdrawing capital from the business as compensation for the risk he has taken the capital is produced as profit. But is this normalized behavior acceptable within a sophisticated theory of morality? To understand the origins of our conventional thinking about business, it is important to understand that personal ownership is considered, by alphas at least, to be substantially the same as the private ownership of the means of production. This thinking develops along these lines. An individual has a plot of land and grows vegetables. He has some left over so he shares them with his neighbors. Then some neighbors share their leftover product with him and over time he begins to accept money for surplus product and buy things from his neighbors. There are only small incremental steps from personal activity to a large plot of land and growing produce for sale. Even when the business includes so much land that one needs equipment and workers To operate it, globalism seems just one more step in a continuation of small steps that started with a householder growing vegetables for himself and his family. Why this is a view linked to an alpha perspective needs to be explained. Alphas lack a moral code as normally conceived. Might makes right is not a sophisticated position and precludes a need for first-order principles or categorical imperatives. Indeed, without a belief in an intrinsic right and wrong, and an absolute way to quantify and determine the distinction, inevitably one must adopt a reality in which right and wrong are simply conventions. Alphas are not interested in moral doctrines that require the abandonment of their core principle. The fundamental question of right and wrong comes down to what we think ownership is. If ownership is a reflection of the doctrine of might makes right, then nothing we do with what we own can be wrong or illegal, so long as we can get away with it. If ownership is relative or contingent on our ability to apply force, how can anyone be in in a position to dictate what is right or wrong to others? unless they do this at the point of a sword or the barrel of a gun. But we seem to have moved culturally away from when we thought ownership meant the absolute power of a king. Now ownership is a set of contingent rights granted by law. The ultimate ethical question for alphas is if ownership is absolute or contingent. The response given depends on their conception of reality. Alphas will see ownership as the absolute province of strong men. Betas will see ownership as something provided by the state, the stand-in for the alpha male. For Thetas, the question is, if reality is natural or logical, does reality work by force of arms or by logic? If we think reality is a product of natural forces, then natural forces are the only power we have for governing events. Ownership in nature is nothing more than possession backed up by brute force. In nature, might makes right. In nature, force is the only source of justice available. Much of modern culture is designed to ingrain this belief into our psyche. If you cannot back up your rights with raw power, you will have your rights taken from you. Without rights, there is no property. But without power, there are no rights. Alphas are culturally limited to what can be achieved through force. Betis prefers deceit, that is, the deception of force. Alphas do not see this reliance on pure physical power in a negative way. Indeed, the use of force and deceit are the preferred paths to success. Ownership for alphas is synonymous with possession. The rights of ownership are given by martial powers. What you have, you own, until someone stronger comes and takes it from you. The exercise of might makes right, has motivated and energized all armies and empires from time immemorial, back even to Cain, who not only felt justified in killing his brother, but considered his quick temper and readiness to use his physical strength as a justification for their use. To possess is to warrant possession. Power is self-validating. The adoption of a might-makes-right worldview makes it difficult to understand the concept of equal rights. For an alpha, especially the rights of the weaker to not be molested by the stronger. In a might-makes-right scenario, the idea that the weak have equal rights is preposterous. The strong will argue the weak have no rights, because the weak cannot defend what they have. Why ought the strong defend the rights of those who cannot defend themselves? other than because the weak are willing to pay for the security. Alphas believe nature smiles on the powerful. Evolution is the doctrine of might makes right applied to biology. The possession of power is a measure of virtue in the legitimization of its use. What use is power? Unless it is used to enrich its possessor. Power creates physical wealth and biological immortality. What use is power? if it cannot be used to gain that which is prized beyond everything else women and genetic immortality. To gain property is to give others a sense of one's worth and indeed virtue. The person with no property must lack virtue and honor. The gods were against him. The poor are by definition not one of the chosen, one of those worthy to receive bounty. To win battles To outwit enemies, to take the women and lands of one's enemies, was the measure of a man's worth, for virtue and martial powers were thought to be one and the same thing. The divine right of kings was not just a philosophical or moral right, it was a legitimization of power. The divine right of kings was the code of the Alpha applied to the supreme Alpha, the ruler. It encapsulated an observable fact of power. Those with absolute power had the right to absolute power. The divine right of kings was the reality of the physical and martial and legal power of a king who had no restraint on his power. How could anyone argue against the ethical justification of absolute power? A beheading trumped any philosophical inquiry into the moral justification for the king's assertion. The ability to kill one's opposition is the surest sign One's authority is moral, and legal, and real. Property was taken from the weak because they had little or no power. People had no power because they possessed very little in the way of property. People were killed as an expression of their relative weakness. Women were despoiled, their kids taken, and anything of value was removed at will of he who wished to demonstrate his power. Many ancient rulers believed the expression of power ought to be exhibited in the most overt of ways, and which they did. Power on display was a display of property, as a courting bird displays its feathers. Palaces express power over people, because they are an exhibition of power over property. Even people were owned as if they were domesticated beasts because this is an expression of the rights of power and the moral value of those in power. Human rights were so minimal in many cultures that freedom itself was a relative term that often meant little more than one was not a slave. Nothing the lowest classes had, not even life itself, was ever secure from the predation of the Lord. Seizure of property was always a possibility, this could occur to the extent that starvation was the result. Land and homes of the entire village could be seized and the tenants forced to move. This happened during the enclosure movement when thousands of families were tossed off ancestral lands to create pasture for sheep. None of this would have been possible if those with power had not believed that power exercised was power justifying its use. If one could wield power then the use of power was legitimized. There is no defense against this kind of thinking, other than e- exercising a greater and more potent power in opposition. This plays into the mindset of alphas, because adopting this thinking leads to war. Interestingly, this philosophy of might makes right is alien to everything God wants. God possesses ultimate power, yet does not express the Alpha attributes. God is both Alpha and Omega. He can be called Theta in comparison. Thetas do not subscribe to the Might Makes Right doctrine. This was introduced by Satan. In scripture we see Satan opposing God. Satan wants God to be Alpha and destroy Omega, the weak human being. From this rebellion an increasingly more complex number of ways to pose God is developed by men who aspire to be Alphas. In the process of seeking Alpha status men learn to compete in more complex ways underlying all of this conflict is the Might Makes Right moral framework. To understand what is going on here we must remember alpha events occur due to competing claims over property. The alpha perspective gives everything the status of property that is objects to be owned. Everything but their own persons are viewed as objects but even the body is seen as just a physical object. The alpha is embedded in a physical construct a reality composed of objects but not all persons see themselves as property or objects no one wants to be owned. So there is conflict between those who want to possess property and those who do not wish to be property possessed. To concede to an alpha or to their model of reality is to be objectified. It is important to understand the dynamics of conflict. Conflicts are over property. This could be an apple tree, a river system, a land mass or a state. Property is owned by one person but never outright all property is claimed by at least one other who is not in possession of the property in a robbery assets owned by one person are claimed by another without the physical ability to resist this claim the ownership and possession of the property goes to the claimant when might makes right legitimizes ownership assets have liabilities and are exposed to threats of loss we may possess an asset but there is always another person who claims it, or may lay claim to it, actually or potentially. Alphas have no response to this other than acquiring enough power to pose the counterclaims. Increased power in one area puts assets owned by those in adjacent areas at risk. The alpha who resists claims from neighboring states is in a good position to lay claim to the neighboring state's property. Thus, peace is problematical for alphas. If one is powerful enough to be safe from the predation of others, there is a temptation to encroach on neighboring territory. Rapine is in constant temptation if one assumes might makes right. What has an alpha but raw power? Strip away the rhetoric and the glitter of a ruler, and all that is left is animal power. Regardless of what you think justice is, or what your vision of truth None of it matters if you cannot protect what you have with raw and brutal power. Power is the ultimate truth for alphas. Once property is safe from predation, culture can be created with gardens, infrastructure and amenities. But to produce these things when unable to protect them only invites invasion. Yet to fall into the alpha trap and join in the struggle for ultimate power is the worst thing we can do. Alpha status is always relative to our ability exercise power. But the process leads nowhere but to the Alpha challenging God. This is the ultimate Alpha test. Theta is logic. Thetas are intelligent creatures. Thetas are rational. Reality is a logical problem, not one solved by power. If we reject the option of might makes right, the Alpha option, how do we manage the dispensation of property? Alphas are the people of the battlefield. Thetas are the people of the market. The fundamental question of the universe can come down to what do we do where there is one water hole and two tribes each wanting exclusive use? Who is there to adjudicate the competing claims of Alphas but Thor, the god of war? How would a Theta intervene? The first point is that if we start looking for solutions from the perspective of an Alpha, we are going to be dragged into war or crime. If our minds can only see two opposed views and incompatible positions and claims, then the ultimate problem solver is a gun or club. Alphas believe the only way to claim the assets of the world is to take physical possession of them. Physical possession is ownership. For an alpha. Thetas see no need to own objects. Possession of objects is not the end result of their labor. Theta's rationality is based on the production of value. Our mission is to create value, and this is a market activity. Thetas believe reality was created by God and is owned by God. We are at best his guests. We cannot own the world's natural resources, so why fight over what does not belong to us? There are no competing claims over a waterhole or other natural asset because God is the owner. We have no more rights than the other tribe to the waterhole or anything else. The water is an asset that is to be used to create the most value for all. We must pay for what we use and be paid for what we provide. This is the Theta way. Theta's own what we create. We get paid for the value we add to the value created by others. What we create, we can claim for our own. There can be no liabilities connected with what is created. The most uncontestable form of ownership is creation. God owns what he creates. He gets the glory for this. We get paid for what we create, and this value is added to what belongs to us. This thinking eliminates conflicts over contested ownership. Evil thinks like an alpha that might makes right. Thetas think like God. We own only what we create, and no one has a claim on assets created by another, whether that creator is God or another human being.